Eden in Dunfermline. We're going through the life of Joseph and um, we're at chapter 41 today. So you're, you're getting the same message. I'm sure it will come out different, but that's why we are where we are tonight. That's why I think we are where we are tonight. But hopefully you will find that God's word is for you, even though this wasn't what you might have thought was planned for you earlier in the week. That's the way things happen. And we'll see some of that tonight. Let me read some words from Psalm 13. How long will you forget me, Lord? Will you forget always? How long, Lord, will you hide your face and turn from me your gaze? How long must I be sad each day in deep perplexity? How long will my opponent stand in triumph over me? How long? Have you ever asked a question like that? God, have you forgotten me? Have you accused God of forgetting you ever? It's the sort of thing that we do from time to time. We think God's forgotten us because we're not experiencing blessing in every part of our lives or God's not doing things the way we want when we want. You can understand how Joseph might have thought God had forgotten him. Certainly the cupbearer had forgotten him, hadn't he? He'd forgotten about him for two years. After Joseph said to him, remember me when you're reappointed to be the cupbearer to Pharaoh. Remember me to Pharaoh. I don't deserve to be here. He had been forgotten. And then something happened. What was it that happened? Well, it was a long chapter but there's lots of good things in it that were worth you hearing and remembering of what God did at that time. What happened was Pharaoh had dreams. He had two dreams, one after the other. He had the dreams of the fat cows coming up out of the river and then the scrawny cows coming up after and eating them up. And the number seven was important too. There were seven of each, and then there was the ears of corn. Ears and years, it could easily get mixed up and all this, but there was ears of corn, nice, strong, healthy ears of corn, and then the scorched ones as well came up, and they devoured them. And Pharaoh scratches his head, and he goes, what does all this mean? And he calls his wise people together, and they say, we don't know what it means. And the cupbearer suddenly remembers, doesn't he? He remembers there was this man a Hebrew. And so Joseph is called from the prison. And what does he say? I know Pharaoh. I know what's happened. No, we need to remember that he said, it's God who interprets dreams. It's God who knows what's happening. It's not us. And so he tells what God will do. There's going to be a famine. And this is what you should do, Pharaoh. You should appoint somebody over the land and then you should tax the people 20%. We wouldn't like to hear that too much, would we? And so Pharaoh gave him the position of being the man over the land, didn't he? We call him the Egyptian prime minister or something like that. And Joseph got himself a chariot. And Joseph himself got himself a job. And Joseph was given a wife, an Egyptian wife. And then he got on with the job and he seemed to be getting on very, very well. And things happened, as he said, because it was God's word. And then he had two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. And that is the story. That's what happened. 
So tonight I want to ask, how do we apply this to our lives? What is there in this for us to take home? What could be useful for us as we come to this story thousands of years after it happened and think, well, it's an Old Testament story that, well, it's a really, really interesting story, the story of Joseph, isn't it? But what's in it for us? Well, I want us to think about some things. I want us to recognize, first of all, that God's timing is perfect. And I know you've heard that before if you've been coming to church for years, but God's timing is perfect. In 2020, January 2020, the wise guys in Dunfermline Free Church started preaching through the life of Joseph. And on the 15th of March, 2020, I preached a sermon from this passage. I know basically what I said. I said something along the lines of, God's timing is perfect. And then we weren't back in church for about 18 months or so. We only got back to morning services a few months ago. We still have to wear face masks. Some people in church haven't yet got married because things have got in the way of their wedding with COVID and people had parents die and they couldn't have their friends at funerals. And none of us jetted off to the Costa del Sol to get our suntan that we so desperately need. What's going on? God's timing is perfect. Whatever it is that has happened, we have to say God's timing is perfect and that he's allowed this to happen. And we're not people that want to say that. Not if you're two years more in prison. I want to phone up Tesco or Sainsbury, whoever it is that delivers the food, if they're an hour late and I want my delivery charge refunded. If I send you a WhatsApp and I see the two blue ticks and I don't see that you're typing back to me instantly, I wonder, do you hate me? If I go on holiday and have two weeks in the sun and my flight is two hours late on the way home, it was a good holiday, but we are very impatient people. Is that true or is it just me? We're very impatient people. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is absolutely perfect and he knows what he's doing. And I've said some slightly funny things that we get upset about. But there are things that have happened in our lives that we don't want to talk about and we still have to say God's timing is perfect. And that can be quite hard. And eventually, if we don't submit to God's timing is perfect, we sound like the scoffers that Peter talks about. There were scoffers and they were saying, where is this day of the Lord that you're talking about? What does Peter say to them? What does Peter say to the Christians? Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. God's time is different. It's faster, it's longer, it's sudden. It takes ages to come. You can't describe God's timing other than it's short and it's long. It's like Peter says. And then you go, why? Why? Why is your timing like this? Why is a thousand years like a day and a day like a thousand years? Because God is not slack in keeping his promises. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. 
why is God's timing like this? Why is God letting things happen like this? Well, the Romans chorus to the Joseph story is that all things work together for the good of those who love God. God's timing is perfect in how he brings that about. And do you know something about the Joseph story? If Joseph was to say, why were you leaving me in prison for so long? Why did I get forgotten about? Because God is not slack in keeping his promises. God has moved at his timeline to bring about what comes to pass, which is this, that Joseph arises from prison to be a kind of savior, to be like Jesus, a foreshadowing of Jesus, one who would rescue his people, one who would redeem his people, one who brings salvation. And he did as they came to get food, but he would never have known it. And so we have to say, what can we learn from this? A hard lesson sometimes, but God's timing is perfect. The second thing we can learn is God has not forgotten you. We could say, God has not forgotten you, Joseph. Suddenly, one day he's in prison after being forgotten and he said, Pharaoh wants to see you. Come and see Pharaoh. And he gets his haircut. He gets his new clothes. He's made presentable to Pharaoh and he's brought into Pharaoh's presence and he's told Pharaoh's had dreams. And wouldn't that be so surprising for Joseph to hear this? Pharaoh's had dreams. 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 I've had enough of dreams. Dreams got me into trouble with my brothers. Dreams, well, they didn't do much good interpreting them. But Pharaoh's had dreams. But what does it say? God hasn't forgotten your dreams. God hasn't forgotten what he's shown you when you were a young boy, Joseph, that your brothers would bow down to you. God has not forgotten you. And what might it tell you? Can it be the same message for you that God has not forgotten you? Well, yes. But we're the sort of self-centered people that that's a dangerous thing for us to hear sometimes because we think it's all about us. It's all about me. God hasn't forgotten me. God's moving heaven and earth for me. God's timeline means that this happens like this and well, he hasn't forgotten me. But what is the point of saying that we are, could be so self-centered we take this and do the wrong things with it? Well, if we pick the story of the Bible up, we find the story of Joseph takes up about this many pages in it, okay? It's just a little bit. And, and it does focus on Joseph here, but it's part of the story. It's part of the story of what God had promised to Joseph's grandpa and to Joseph's dad. And it's part of the story of what's going to happen after it when the people settle in Egypt. And then when Pharaoh says there's far too many of them, we need, we need to suppress them. And so Moses comes and Moses leads the people out of Egypt. It's, it's part of this story. And, and I want that actually to be a comfort to you that God has not forgotten about you but God has not forgotten about you in the big story. In the story of what he's doing to redeem people. 
in the story of him bringing Jesus to be a savior and of people trusting in him, that God remembers his people. Sometimes we have to ask, how long have you forgotten me? How long will you forget me? But he has not forgotten. He remembers and he's committed to his plans because he hasn't forgotten them either. God hasn't forgotten what he's going to do. We live in a world, in a society, where God hardly gets a mention unless it's by a swear word. It's interesting. I was watching the football last night. Was it last night? I can't. No, it was the night before. And you see a lot of foreign players at least make some sort of acknowledgement to God. They'll still do it. But in our society, not so much. Not so much. We, we forget about God and we think he's not there. And you might get that impression looking at Genesis because chapter 37, when you first hear about Joseph, not much mention of God. And then when his brothers throw him into the pit, they're not concerned about God. Then you get the story of Judah and Tamar and they're not concerned about God. They're doing disgraceful things. Then with Potiphar's wife, you get Joseph saying, no, I will not sin against God. Then he interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker and he says, God is the one who gives the interpretation. And then you get to chapter 41 and it's, it looks like the story of Joseph's rise from the pits to a great position. But it's actually the story of God will do this. God has decided. God has shown Pharaoh. God has done all this. And God has not forgotten his plans. And as we look forward and as we think of where we are, there are things that we can say, God has decided, God has shown. And there's people around us who wouldn't have given any thought to that. Pharaoh hadn't really given any thought to it, had he? You tell me my dreams. You tell me what I'm supposed to be thinking after I've had these dreams. You tell me what it means. Not God is the only one who knows what the future really is. And around us, nobody thinks God is the only one who really knows the future. And you might say, why? Why are you doing this? Well, it's because the story's going on. We could read it as we go on in the Old Testament until we come to Christ. That God has not forgotten his plans. And I wonder... Do you need reminded that God has not forgotten his plans and his purposes? Does that need to be told to us again and again? That God is still working. He's not really that surprised by COVID or by what happens in Downing Street or Holyrood or about the Ukraine. He's not astounded. He's not falling off his throne. He's working out his plans and his purposes. He knows what's happening. And he has said some things are going to happen. He said that one day, even Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour, but one day Jesus is going to come back. And that's, that's the timeline we're working on, that God knows his plan and God is working it out. If you need reminded of that, be assured of it. But in this story, there's lots of unexpected things. There's things that we wonder what happens. And if I tell you that God is working out his plan, 
and you're confused about whether you should get a new job or you're confused about why God's allowing this hard thing to happen in your life or you're confused and hurting because, well, I don't know what's going on. But you wonder, how are we supposed to live in this way? Well, I think remembering that we have a whole New Testament that tells us how we're supposed to live. We can also take some lessons from Joseph, who's quite like Jesus. And the first one of these is, be like Joseph and interpret God's word. Be like Joseph and interpret what God is doing. That's what he's doing. I've said there are some things that we can know and there are some things that we can't know. We can know. We can know that whatever we go through, God will be with his people. We can know that he will never leave us or forsake us. But there are things that we don't know. And they confuse people all the time. And man, man, we had a tough time, I think. Lots of us had a tough time trying to figure out what was going on in 2020 and 2021. And we're still not 100% sure what's happening in 2022. I'm not anyway. We get it wrong. But let's focus on what we know. If you're wondering, if you're wondering how you should live your life, let's think of some things that we can know from Scripture. Let's go with the simple ones. God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And if you believe in Jesus, boys, girls, older people, if you believe in Jesus, it's as simple as this, you will have everlasting life. You can know this. You don't have to doubt this. You can know that if you are going through a difficult time, if you're wondering why God is letting you go through this hardship and you pray about it and you ask God to take it away and maybe it doesn't happen and you go, who's this happened to before? And you hear Paul say that he had that thorn in the flesh, the messenger from Satan. Three times I prayed. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And I can know, I can know that that's what God is like. I can know what God wants. He wants justice. He wants mercy. I can know how Christians should live. I can struggle to work out some aspects of it. But there are things you can know. Even if you are a boy or a girl, there are things you know that are true. Alistair Begg has a great phrase that he certainly used to use in his preaching. The main things are the plain things and the plain things are the main things. If we're trying to interpret what all the days mean in Revelation and it's not that clear, well, let's remember that the clear things are that we should believe in Jesus and go from there. And, and it's simple. It's almost as if he read this catechism. What do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. The scriptures principally, most importantly, teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. What can you know? What do the scriptures tell you? What God wants from you. What God's done for you. So interpret the scriptures. Second thing to do to be like Joseph is be known as somebody in whom is the Spirit of God. 
It's interesting, as we read the ESV version, when Pharaoh recognizes that the Spirit of God is in him, they give it a capital letter. In other versions, they give it a small s because the translators aren't sure. Is this just, is is Pharaoh understanding that God is a spirit is really what they're saying. But Pharaoh recognizes, Pharaoh recognizes that there's something special in this man. He sees that God has spoken to him and that God is speaking through him and the spirit of God is in him. Pharaoh has a lot of power, doesn't he? Pharaoh says to the baker, off with your head. He's got a lot of power. Later in scripture, when Moses goes to a Pharaoh and says, let my people go, the Pharaoh says, okay, no, change my mind. Okay, no, change my mind. I can do the same as God. He's like that. But this Pharaoh recognizes there's something different. And he saw that Joseph knew what God was doing and trusted God to be doing it. I wonder how that affects your life, that you can be known as somebody in whom God's spirit is. Well, how will that affect us? What difference will it make? Well, I don't think Joseph would have been wrong about the guesses he would make, but I don't think Boris Johnson or Nicola are going to phone me up tomorrow or Her Majesty the Queen and say, what do we do about this situation? I don't think they're going to take somebody from prison to figure out what to do. So, so how do people in our world know what we're like? Who shall we go to for the answer? Let's go to Jesus. By this, all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And that's what we're to do. And guess what? We've known that for 2,000 years, but we can still be pretty rubbish at it, can't we? We can. We don't love each other like we should. And people aren't recognizing that's what's different about us. Sometimes they think what's different about us is we're the angriest. That's not right. Maybe we should be angry at injustice, but not at everyone. How can you do that? How can you witness to what God has done in your life? Knowing that you are patiently waiting for the great day when Jesus returns. I'm going to go into a higher gear and rev higher and go faster. Next thing to do, don't be swayed by the success the world gives you. Joseph is Egyptianized. A Hebrew boy who had good standards is taken from the pit and he's turned into an Egyptian. Given an Egyptian wife, an Egyptian job, given the Egyptian credit card or signet ring, whatever it is. By the time his brothers come to him, he walks like an Egyptian, he talks like an Egyptian, probably not in that way, but he he is an Egyptian in their eyes. Is that a good thing? I heard one preacher say, this is a bad day for Joseph. This is a dangerous day for Joseph because he could become just like them given a position of authority, and then he could be bowing down to the idols. He could be doing whatever he wanted. The Nile was basically seen as a god, and he could be worshipping like that. If you look at the website Christians in Parliament, one of the things that will surprise you, well, maybe it won't, but it surprised me is all the people that are there and the different parties that they represent. 
there are Christians in our parliament. I'm not sure if you knew this. And we wonder, what are you doing? How can, how can you align yourself with this political party or that political party? There's an article this week about Kate Forbes, the finance secretary, a Christian, and it said she's either got to give up politics or her faith. That was the Daily Express. Not that I've bought it, but that I read it. That's what they said. They can be wrong, but they say you cannot, you cannot serve two masters. That's basically what they're saying. And it's easy to think about the politicians, boys and girls. Is it easy to be a Christian in school? Is it much easier just to mix in and be like everyone else? And at work, when somebody tells the rude joke, what do you say? And when all sorts of things go down that shouldn't go down, are you like them? Or are you different? Well, Joseph was different. And we're going to see how and why we read to the end of the chapter in just a moment. But let's recognize that it would be easy to be swayed by success, by being like everybody else around us. And let's remember something else that Jesus said that we, we don't want to hear. It's hard to hear. And we wish it wasn't so because we love to be comfy. But he said it if they hated me, don't be surprised when they hate you too. That's what he said. And we're still shocked by it. Because we're the most lovable people around. Well, I am anyway, I think. Maybe not, eh? We find it hard. So, interpret God's word. Be known as a Christian. Don't be swayed by success. Number four of five of part B. Don't no, acknowledge the things. No, do acknowledge the things that God has let you forget. Do acknowledge the things that God has let you forget. We got to Manasseh. That's the name of the boy. What a great name. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and my father's house. Said there was a danger he would become Egyptianized. He'd married Potiphar's daughter, you would think that somebody say, hey, let's give the kids Egyptian names. No, let's give them Hebrew names because we're Hebrews. And he held on to that. We know he held on to it because at the end of the story, he doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants his bones carried to where his father was buried in Canaan and where the people have gone before him. But he says... God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. How do you live in 2022, having come to faith in Jesus, living in the world that we do when lots of bad things have happened to you? One of the good things about preaching to a congregation that I don't know is I don't know all your stories. There's a weakness in that a lot of the time, but I don't know who is sitting here Carrying shame and pain because of what somebody did to you years and years ago. And you can't let it go. And it's basically defined who you are. 
It's put barriers in lots of aspects of your life. And it's painful. I don't want to belittle it. But God has made me forget. God has made me forget the hardship in my father's house. He's allowed me, it seems, to forgive and forget. Because his father's household are not this great burden to him anymore. He's still a Hebrew. He's still holding on to the promise. And his hardship is gone. Now, I know that you will get sharp and horrible, painful reminders sometimes of things that happen. And you're human. That's going to keep happening. But what I want to say to you is, make that big thing much smaller than what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Do you get that? Make it smaller than what God has done. God has forgiven your sins. God has given you his Holy Spirit to be in you. God has made you a child with a promised inheritance. God has given you all you need for this life and forever. Hold on to that. And don't be trapped. And don't be broken all the time. He's made you new. Made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you can give that up. But maybe there's somebody here and you haven't come to Christ Jesus. And your hardship is always on your mind. And you're still broken. And you can't fix yourself. I know. Let's listen again to some words from Jesus. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if that's what you need to do for the first time, then do that. Come to Jesus and be able to forget as you trust God for your future. And the second way we know that Joseph wasn't swayed as we called his son number two, Ephraim. And what does Ephraim mean? For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has blessed me in this place where I was suffering. Now, there are different ways we could apply this. And how is it? Some of you might think, I don't, I don't really want to be in Dundee. If I'm here for much longer, I would rather be out of it. I want to go home. But it can be a place of suffering, just wherever you are. But God can bless you here. And maybe, maybe you don't want to be here for a long time, but God can bless you, as he did to Joseph. But there's a much bigger picture here. They hinted at it, that Joseph said to his sons, don't leave my bones here. Carry my bones up out of this place, he tells them. In Genesis chapter 50. Carry up my bones from here. Take, them, take me away because I don't belong here. I'm going to Canaan. And there's a way that this can be applied to Dundee. To Dunfermline. To wherever we are. We, where are we going to suffer? When is our suffering going to be? Well, it'll be lovely if everybody's suffering was behind them. But we know that that's not life. Where are you going to suffer? You're going to suffer on this earth, in this world. You're going to suffer in your body. You're going to suffer in your mind. You're going to suffer sometimes in poverty and sometimes in brokenness and all sorts of ways. 
but we look forward to being carried up out of here. We're not going to be here forever. Joseph was able to see that God had blessed him in this place. And is that not a way that we can live our lives too? Live a life acknowledging how God has blessed us in this place where where we don't want to stay. Really, boys and girls, you want to grow old. You want to have a great life. You want to have lots of things. You want to be happy every single day. You don't want to cry when you're grown up. You don't want to do anything like that. But some days are really long. You know how you sit in school and that clock takes about four hours to go from two o'clock to three o'clock. You know how that happens? And life feels like that sometimes. But with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. It'll be gone just in a flash. And you might look old one day. I don't know what that looks like. You're not going to stay here forever. Did you know that? So what do we do? Well, let's, looking to Jesus, live our lives, giving thanks for the blessing we have here, but keeping our eye on the fact that we will live with him forever. Psalm 13 starts, How long will, I for, how long will you forget me, Lord? Shall it be forever? Psalm 13 ends, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. How has he been good to us? In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. How will he be good to us? In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Let's sing praise to his name now. Let's sing Psalm, no, we'll sing before the throne of God above, and then we'll pray to finish.